0: Off the Bench is a podcast created by ASCLS that will discuss the scientific
1: and not the scientific ideas in laboratory medicine. We are joined by members of
0: ASCLS, fellow scientists, educators, and researchers, along with those interested in the profession. We share ideas and talk nerdy.
2: And welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast. I'm Sophia Chandrasakar, and I'm also here with... Doya Redding! a hey, your two podcast hosts.
3: We're in here.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> so today's episode is a continuation of our previous episode. Uh so our previous episode, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, you definitely should. It is the July end of July uh, released episode. Editor Sophia here. Uh, I made a mistake with that comment. I meant to say that the lab impromptu views from the jam part 1 Actually came out at the end of August, not the end of July. That was a different episode at the end of July, which you should still also check out uh, about the Let's Talk Micro podcast. But the Lab Jam Part 1 came at the end of August. It is called The Impromptu Views from Jam Part 1. This one is Impromptu Views from Jam Part 2. Part two. So quick recap. Uh we dorian and i were both at the joint annual meeting in person it went really well we interviewed a lot of people um and when we interviewed people we sort of grouped our questions in a way where if you listen to the previous episode um a lot of the answers and the questions we asked people were more along the lines of what advice would you give to new graduates what advice would you give to uh, new students people who are interested in the field what advice would you give them Right, And this episode, it's a little bit different. We had also asked a couple questions, and we found one question that really intrigued us with the variety of answers. We had asked, how would you describe the MLS field? And we had a very large variety of answers. We had some that were extremely specific. I still listen here in this clip from Heather, where she's able to go into the very detailed specifics of her uh, field or
0: her job class. I am a stem cell processing technician. So we work with patients with blood cancers or autoimmune diseases. And we do um, various procedures with them, white cell depletions, red cell exchanges. We actually have both patient contact um, bedside, working with the doctors and the nurses. And we also do stuff more typical in the lab, like flow cytometry and stuff like that. Others like Katie here said that they struggle
2: with describing the field.
0: I really struggled to do that, to be honest with you. I think, um, CLS really embodies a lot of different areas of science. It's very intersectional. We do a lot of work with different healthcare professions. Um, but most importantly, I would say it's something that impacts patient care really deeply, Mm -hmm. but you're not patient facing. It's definitely Mm -hmm. a career of introverts, which is something I really align myself with, (laughs) um, but if you love science and you love, um, learning every day and every day is going to be different in a lab Mm -hmm. it's definitely a career that you should look into uh
2: nicole had her own response
0: i am the person that does
2: all of the gross stuff that people don't want to do so i look at all of the body fluids that could ever come out of any orifice that you have and evaluate it to see if there's something wrong with but the overall theme that Crystal sums up really nicely is that we are the brains behind the numbers.
0: Well,
1: uh, I would say that we are the brains behind the scenes. Uh, we're the ones giving the doctors all the information. Uh, generally, when people ask what I do, I like, you know, when you go to the doctor's office and you get blood drawn, um, it's not actually the doctor that runs that. It's not mm-hmm. okay. uh, in some facility, whether that's at a hospital or in a uh, reference lab. But that, that's who we are.
2: That's what we do. Something we really did notice was that those who did know what we did, um, and explain what we did, we try to simplify it a little bit too much, you know, or not even too much. We 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 do simplify our field to other people who don't know what they what we do, right? We have, I've heard people say, you know, oh, we're the we're we're the people who run the tests. I mean, I say that. But I've also heard people say things like, you know, um, we're the hidden profession in the hospital. We're in the basement and things like that.
3: Yeah, Behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, like very much behind the scenes. But, you know, uh, I know Dorian has a hot take about this uh, (laughs) hidden profession quote. We got, she, Dorian, Dorian, what are your, what are your opinions on? I have some
3: opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I think that we have taken up this mantle, right? That medical laboratory science is the hidden profession that saves lives. We are the behind the scenes detectives of the health professions. And I think that it is so crazy because we say that and we wear it as a badge of honor. We're like, oh, we're a hidden profession. We're in the basements of hospitals. You never know who we are. We never know who is talking about us, whatever. But then, On the flip side of that, we have so much resentment and so much complaining to do about how people don't know who we are as a profession and what we do and how people go to college for a biology or chemistry degree not knowing what they're going to do with it when they could just be getting a clinical laboratory science degree and knowing exactly what they're going to be doing about it. Um, And so it's that kind of mentality that I think also inspired today's episode because it's all about advocacy, right? Advocacy isn't just doubting from the rooftops that we are a profession and we need respect and for whoever is going to listen to us needs to hear what we have to say. But advocacy can be as simple as telling people what it is that we do for a living and why it is important that people know who we are and what we do.
2: Exactly. And and I think to that point, the best way for us to sort of continue forward in this episode is to categorize advocacy in two different categories. The advocacy I think we're going to be mainly covering about is the little A advocacy. You know, because like the big A advocacy is like, I'm going to go talk to my senators and I'm going to like write a bill or I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. <laughs> That's, all I That's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're not talking about big a advocacy. We're talking about little a advocacy. The, the, as Rain said, like, you know, the, standing up for yourself the telling people what you do the advocating for your own person in that moment you know i i call that little a advocacy Mm because you don't need to make a huge grand gesture with it you can just do little things and do little things to push things forward you know but actually dorian did a really good presentation um on advocacy so dorian would you Mm -hmm. like to teach us about advocacy little a big a
3: Little A and Big A. Well, I think one of the main things that's been helping me grapple with this topic has been my involvement with ASCLS Marketing and Communications Committee. And in that aspect, we have this very handy-dandy tool called the Marketing and Communication Handbook. And the purpose of it on paper is, you know, to help leaders in the ASCLS community, constituent societies, what have you to talk about marketing in a way that they can understand it, how to market the organization, how to market you know, what an asset we bring to someone's life, right? Um, and then they have so many good ways of breaking it down. They define communication, right? So they say that effective communication is delivering the right message using the right medium to the right audience at the right time in order to accomplish a goal um and so with that being said communications tend to fall into three categories and that is informing educating and inspiring um and that is just having conversations with this goal in mind that we are going to teach someone something new or we are going to inspire them to think differently on a topic as opposed to a way that they did before. Um, And so that's the communication aspect of it. And then there's a marketing side of it where we are creating, communicating, and delivering content that has value for customers or members or clients um, so that they are interested in actually hearing what we have to say. Um, And that is just a super helpful tool it is located uh, on the ascls website ascls.org backslash marcom dash handbook and that is just open to anybody because it's not exclusive just for leaders but for people who want to know just how to talk about the lab to people because i feel like that's a really big hurdle that we find ourselves coming pr- across like even on a day-to-day basis right um Say that you're like out in the wild and you're making small talk with someone and they say, oh, you know, where are you from? What do you do? Um, And, you know, if someone says, oh, I'm an RN, the person that they're talking to knows, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. That's, That's a nurse. You're a nurse. But if you say, I'm an MLS, they say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. What disease is that? What? I've never heard. I'm so sorry. I think everybody has kind of grown over time to have their own sort of elevator pitch to, you know, tell people. I have a couple of sentences that I tell people at every, you know, Thanksgiving family and friends and all that. What about you, Sophia? Do you have a go-to sentences? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I think it's like for the longest time, like when I was in, I think for a while there, I had to like ride Ubers. And you know, you always make that small talk with an Uber. Oh, you're going <laughs> to the hospital? Are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I just work there. Oh, what do you do? Are you a nurse? Well, no, I'm a medical laboratory scientist. Oh, what's that? Well, you know how you get your blood drawn and sent off to a lab? I am in that lab. I work in that lab. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, run this. I run the blood. Run, run the testing mm-hmm. on the blood. I look at the sample. I'm the one who provides your your um, your physician results. I am, you know, like you don't really see us, but we are there. We're actively rooting for the patients and being part of their care. And, you know, like anytime we have a sample, we are always loving it. And I remember that actually was really sweet because there was one Uber driver, his, I want to say his daughter was in the cancer hospital. And he was like, oh, I think I know what you guys do. Because I was at MLS, he was like, I think I know what you guys uh-huh. do. You guys, you guys run those CBCs, right? I was like, yeah, <gasps> we do. He was like, yeah, my daughter, like uh, she had recovered at that point. He was like, right. um, you know, she used to get CBCs in, all the time. And they said that, you know, it would get sent down. And he's like, you know, I always wonder what happened, but we always get, always get results a couple hours later. I'm like, yeah. No, we do that testing if it requires it to be like further investigated we'll get her to scope and we'll personally like look at these samples and yes. look at these cells and he's like you know thank you for what you guys have done he's like it's yeah. helped me and my family and I was like oh my heart <laughs>
0: that is so
3: rare to come across someone and just they have that knowledge already. That's so cool. And no, I I totally agree with what you say. I mean, mine kind of starts the same way. Like, oh, well, you know how whenever you go to the doctor or the hospital and they draw your blood and they say, all right, we're going to send this down to the lab. And then I pause for dramatic effect. And then the person goes, "Oh, you're the lab?" I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's what we do. Um, Even right now, I'm just a blood banker. That's my specialty right now. That's what I'm doing full time. But I don't just tell people that I'm a blood banker. That just seems like one, Part of all that we are as medical laboratory professionals. And I love telling people, like, oh, there's all sorts of body fluids. You got blood, you got urine, you got cerebrospinal fluid, you got bronchial lavage, you got all these pleural fluids and whatever. And we can tell so much from every single one of them. And it's not even just fluids, you got you got tissue, you got bone, you got all these sorts of things, and I just want to talk about all of them, like all the live long day. And by this time the person's bored or they've tuned me out. But <laughs> still, I love having that opportunity to tell someone something that they didn't know before, especially when it's something that I'm so passionate about that I feel like everyone should be passionate about. Um, and that's but, the thing, right? Like, yeah. like based off
2: of how you describe it, is how those people will then from then on out that's how they think about the lab, right? That's Mm -hmm. what they'll know about the lab. So that's something that I think coming from your, uh, from your podcast hosts, this is something that I think that, you know, if you can, and if you feel like it, and you know, you probably should like definitely take time and talk to your coworkers and see how they explain their jobs to their families at Thanksgiving and things like that. How do they talk about it? And, you know, try to encourage the the little A advocacy to like sort of change how people might see us. Like, you know, we're not the hidden profession. We are there. People can come up to the window and talk to us. I should know. Uh, we have people coming up and asking us where's the sleep study all the time when we say, you know, right through that door to the left. But, uh, you know, like people can come up and talk to us. And I think it's good if you take that mindset and apply it to your elevator pitch and also mm-hmm. to, you know, your your coworkers' elevator pitch, like, you know, that your your laboratory community, check on your laboratory community and see how they're describing themselves and see if they're doing that little A advocacy. And I think it also extends beyond just your own laboratory community too, right? It if mm-hmm. what we're saying that how we describe ourselves as medical laboratory professionals is how they'll think of us as medical laboratory professionals, then your community like even your family community, they now have that information. So if someone asks them what do you do or what is your, what does your son do? What does your daughter do? does your what does your mom do? they'll have yeah. a better description and a more accurate description with that little a advocacy involved, a little, a little little a attachment to it, right And just really get the field out there and make it more present for people and that's that's the thing right like you don't have to advocate by yourself you can advocate with other people right there are people who want to get involved and you know you will want to join their community of advocacy i mean that is kind of what ASCLS is all about too. You know we are the american <laughs> society for clinical laboratories or sorry of clinical laboratory oh. science um i always forget the of and the for i'm terrible at that i'm so sorry sorry ASCLS people um but you know when we interviewed people Uh, Heather actually, again, she had also mentioned that she wished she had gotten involved earlier, right? There are a lot of people who wish that they had heard about ASCLS earlier in their careers and just known that there was this laboratory community out there that's maybe a bit more vocal than other lab communities, you know?
3: Yeah. Like earlier Um, last year, I know that there was, you know, a um, ASCLS kind of, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? A um a study going into the branding of ASCLS, like a branding survey. And, you know, questions were being thrown around like what what keeps you coming back to ASCLS events or what got you first interested and why are you still around? Things like that. And there was like this giant word map of things, and the main thing at the center was like community. And then there were words like family, and you know, you know, more professional ones, networking contacts, whatever. But it really is understated really how much of an impact just having this backbone of a sense of community with ascls it it does wonders for the kind of enthusiasm that we take back to our different workplaces regardless of whether or not you know everyone in our workplace is a member of ascls it just takes one person to bring that kind of energy back and you know have that multiply definitely like
2: because like because like i i Actually, this happened earlier today. Um, Literally, I had a student today with me in blood gas, and the student was talking about how, you know, one of their goals is to move to a different location and and practice, you know, their lab stuff, you know, in a different location altogether. But they were very nervous because they're like, you know, I don't know anybody there I think like I have a general idea of what I want to do. And I was like, well, you should, you know, you're a second year student. I know the university provides and gets you guys a student membership. You should reach out in the connect community and talk to people. And they're like, you know, I'm like really nervous. Like, what would I even say? Like, I'm not even graduated yet. And then they even asked like, would they even like someone like me? Like, is there a diversity group or something? And I was like, there is a diversity group. And as soon yeah. as I was telling them about the diversity group and like every the the DAC, the diversity and advocacy council, um, because this person was like, you know, I don't know if I'll be accepted. As soon as I like show them their page and the Prism events and what DAC is all about and how that yeah. is a that's a str- such a strong component in ASCLS, the DEI, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Their the nervousness almost went away. Like they were actually they became very excited to actually post online and post and connect community to try to talk to somebody about moving to a new location. and, you know, yeah. finding a community because they didn't realize that there was actually a community of people like them for yeah. them. and they felt accepted, which I thought was fantastic, you know?
3: yeah, it makes all the difference,
2: but of course, with all online communities, you know, you do have to keep that one little thing little bit of a uh, grain of salt in the back of your mind at all times that
3: online no, there's, communities there's some skepticism
2: there's there's skepticism uh facebook has a lot of venting and let's be honest a lot of the time we go to facebook to unload we go on to reddit to unload um like someone had said in our previous episode online is a is not a great place if you're a newbie because it's a lot of people who have been in the profession for even just a little bit that just need a vent. So yeah, online communities are great. Just remember if they're, if they're complaining, you're more like, it's, it's like that thing with reviews that you have to take in, like, you know, take in mind that oh, yeah. people are more likely to complain about an item than they are to say they really liked an item. Okay. So like if I see a bunch of negative reviews and like barely any positive reviews okay that's kind of not great but then if it's like a couple of really negative but mostly positive then I think it's probably okay and pretty great and that's usually how it is with MLS I think you know just keep that in mind you know
3: yeah no because we're really we're defining that narrative right Mm -hmm. and if we take to social media and we're only saying negative things about the profession then people are just going to think that it's a negative profession yeah um something to the effect of like the goal of posting on social media is to turn the chaos that we see in everyday life into clarity on the internet right we go online to see what people are saying about the medical laboratory and you know and when we we post something it should be you know something in our little marketing community marketing and communications mind to see if there's something that we want to change about how we're perceived. And and the, I think that getting that kind of perspective is kind of just one of the things that we're here to talk about today. Um, You know, making friends and personal connections is a theme that we see a lot through these answers that people are giving, whether it's their, you know, study groups during getting their undergraduate degree or, you know, the connections and long lasting friendships that they make at ASCLS. Um, People want to be a part of something bigger than themselves and a good network of friends within that medical laboratory science community is just that thing, right, that we're wanting to see out Mm -hmm. in the world. so yeah, you know, we're a community. That's what ASALS is.
2: Yeah. And, and the, I think my favorite part about the community is the fact that we can rely on, also rely on each other for ideas, right? Like, I think, I know you said you had seen this, you seen like this re- high school recruitment or something on the Connect community.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier this year, 2023 um I want to say you know early spring someone had put on the connect community that they were asking for ideas on high school recruitment techniques and it was one of the most active threads that I think I'd ever seen on the connect community because you know when you post something on the connect community maybe you get like maybe you get like one or two responses and that post did well but this um post got you know a thread of 10 plus replies and all unique and individual ideas of how people were passionate of outreaching to high schools and the kinds of recruitment tools that they were using to you know make interactive games or what have you with students and you know making these kinds of events so whether it was you know tabletop you know, little lab assays or, you know, bringing the agglutinating cards for blood banking or, um, you know, just fun and innovative visual things. I mean, everybody's so honed in on the similar ideas of how we need to promote the profession. And we are in the right community with people who are passionate about it and you know the ideas is they, they just keep flowing and they kept coming, and it was it was a really cool thing um to
2: see if, if you want to check out that thread if you go to the connect community in the open forum if you just search up like high school recruitment I, I know that's actually like, the title
3: of it yeah yeah it's just high
2: school recruitment yeah I think yeah like, if you just search for that I know there's that thread I know I think I had started something similar for like mm-hmm. not exactly high school recruitment because I I know I was invited to speak at one of those um like what's it those like how colleges do those outreach programs by like inviting high school students to come and do like summer camp for a week and it's like oh, yeah, medical yeah. themed i had an opportunity to speak at one of those and um and i you know when i talked to them cuz i think there was it was a panelist of panel of me a nurse and a radiologist um you know they asked us a bunch of questions and later i got invited back to just like come and give a singular presentation on just medical laboratory stuff and like what gets involved all that kind of thing and that was really cool and it got to the like i remember that worked well enough that there's at least seven students who came to me wanting to reach out to universities in their home state because these were like kids from all over america and one of the students she actually she's kept in touch with me ever since (sighs) and she's applied for her um her as her um mls program in alaska and i'm so excited for her she's Gosh. she's like starting it and she's like this is what i always wanted to do i didn't like she's like i knew i wanted to do something like this i just didn't know what it was i didn't know how to get into mm-hmm. it And i saw your presentation mm-hmm. i was like yes just one person
3: oh my like, god it was just one person who
2: really just stuck through with it but yeah. oh my god i like my little heart i was like oh <laughs> i love you
3: change your lives look at you Ew. Oh my gosh.
2: And that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Like this outreach, it's great that we have all these ideas and that we can rely on each other, like in the connect community for these ideas, but it is yeah. also super important to know how to, again, little a advocate for yourself so that you yeah. can do these things of outreach. Right. And, and there's a lot of reasons why outreach and trying to get more people in the laboratory profession is important. Like why it's important. Um, mm-hmm. And Dorian has a lot of great stats but we also thought we would do something a little bit fun with this because you know um i want to say dr writing uh, kyle had uh had i forget if it was like a talk or something about um using chat or using like the studies yeah the case studies where yeah, like, i saw that we're like utilizing that with education so we actually asked chat gpt to help us like do a mini uh uh breaking news segment about why outreach is important and uh dorian will you like to break the news
3: gladly good evening in tonight's special report we turn our attention to a growing crisis that's impacting the heart of healthcare: care the medical laboratory profession recent statistics reveal an alarming shortage of skilled professionals in this field with far-reaching implications for patient care let's dive into the numbers and explore the projective future of this vital profession According to the American Society for Clinical Pathology, nationwide the medical laboratory field faces a daunting 8.5% vacancy rate, affecting patient care and increasing costs. On a positive note though, the Bureau of Labor Statistics predicts a 13% growth in demand for these professionals over the next decade due to an aging population and evolving healthcare needs. Experts point to factors like an aging workforce, education costs, rapid technological advancements, and limited awareness as contributors to this crisis. Solutions include financial support, education, reform, and increasing public awareness to attract new talent. As we've seen today, the time to act is now. Together, we can ensure a strong and vibrant medical laboratory workforce for the future, safeguarding the health and well-being of all Americans. With the right support and awareness, we can bridge the gap and secure a healthier future for our nation's healthcare system. Thank you for joining us for this important report. Stay tuned for more updates on this critical issue.
2: Thank you, ChatGPT.
3: <laughs> it is so cool that we're talking about this today. I had come across this really awesome paper that was published uh, by... Angela Tomei Robinson, who we actually came across at Jam, right, Sophia? She was awesome, and she's actually really <laughs> active on all the uh,
2: Facebook pages. She's
3: pretty. She's she's like she took
2: little A advocacy and turned it into big A advocacy.
1: Oh yeah, no,
3: she had this really awesome publication. It is titled "Healthcare: Severe Shortages of Qualified Medical Laboratory Professionals." Um, and if I could just sit here and read this article in its entirety. I would go check it out, but a couple of the statistics that stood out to me were that currently there are approximately 329,200 employed medical technologists and technicians in the United States. Um and we are currently 25,000 professionals short nationwide. Um so I thought that that number, you know, 330,000 basically was, you know, a pretty large number for employees around the nation. Um and when we think about, you know, this staffing shortage, a lot of people like to make the conversation like, oh well, all healthcare fields are short, like all health professionals are short staffed. Um, but also, I mean, just a quick Google search will tell you that according to the American Association of Colleges of Nursing, um, nursing is the nation's largest healthcare profession, and they have nearly 5.2 million employed nurses in the US. Um, so it, it really does speak to the kind of gap that we are bridging here. Um, all healthcare professionals need attention. Obviously we're such a critical and important part of, you know, the runnings of society. Um, but something about these numbers, it just really highlights what it is that we're wanting to talk about here today. Um, there's this other statistic that I really love. Um, it was the 2022 wage and morale survey of medical laboratory professionals. And that was conducted by lighthouse lab services. And this one said that seventy three percent of medical laboratory professionals said that their laboratories were either moderately or significantly understaffed. That is a whopping majority. Um, and you know, earlier we were talking about the kind of negative things that people will say on the internet. and you know, sometimes you can sit back and wonder and be like, "Oh, is it really that bad?" And then you see statistics like this. and you see that, well, seventy three percent of people are not in the best position that their workplace could be in right and that is just really crazy to be thinking about and then it all comes back to education so according to the internet only 139 universities in the u.s that offer medical laboratory science degrees and courses and about 100 mlt training programs that is a seven percent drop from the year 2000 And I think that, you know, we kind of knew that that was a downward trend. We've heard a lot of CLS, MLS programs uh, being up and running, running out of clinical sites, not having as many applicants as they need to sustain a program, and then closing. Um, But that is not the kind of trajectory that we need to be on when our profession is growing in the way that it is. And so that is, you know, not even 250 universities and programs in the U.S. And compare that to the more than 2,600 colleges or universities that offer a nursing degree program. Um, And that's just in the United States. I mean, the numbers speak for itself. When you Google healthcare staffing shortage, obviously those are going to be running rampant with nursing stories and testimonies. And as they should, they do their jobs and I'm not denying them of that. And we obviously, you know, can't do a lot of what we do if not for, you know, the collaboration between departments. But I just think that seeing it so obvious like this, where we have the numbers quite literally stacked against us.
2: What, so you said 149 universities with MLS programs and 100 MLT programs, and you said that, what? sorry math is hard uh 249 yeah programs and you said there's 2600 so that means yeah, there's, there's barely 10 percent of the schools mm-hmm. that would have nurse that have nursing degrees barely 10 percent of those like we we don't even compare i mm-hmm. mean granted yes it, like, there are a lot more nurses and there are a lot professionals but yeah like you know how like how often is it that you can sit in a bio class in, high, in college and you'll hear mm-hmm. the number of people around you saying that their plan is to go to med school or to become a nurse, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. no one ever talks about that. Hey, I want to become a medical laboratory scientist because no. they don't know about it. And there's yeah. only 250 programs. <laughs> of course, no one's going to know about it because where are they? Where are we gathered? You know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah,
3: no, absolutely. And especially um, the statistic from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics about how the need for medical laboratory professionals is going to increase by thirteen percent by two thousand and twenty six. Um, the average increase of all occupations in America will only be seven percent. So we are talking that we have not that many universities and the need for our profession is going to almost double more than what every other profession in America is going to do. Uh,
2: and or and already 73% of people or 73% of labs are already saying that they're already understaffed moderately <laughs> or significantly. And to think about having to increase your lab staffing by 13% when you can barely fill your current spots already. Yeah. that just different. feels so, so daunting, which again, it it just highlights and brings back to the point of why we need to have the little A advocacy as well as mm-hmm. big A advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be out there doing little A advocacy and sharing what we do and changing the perception of what we do. We are not the hidden people in the basement where no one can see us. We can actually be present. We can talk to people. You, yeah. you have a voice, you have a mouth, you can talk, you can yeah. tell people what you do. People can come up to your window and you can say, hello, how can I help you? You know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that people don't already. I know there's a good number who do, but I'm saying that, you know, yeah. a lot more of us can do more with little A advocacy, right? Like, like yes. Like what? So how how are you recruited? How did you find out about medical operating
1: sciences?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um yeah, we were talking about high school recruitment. I was literally in my sophomore year algebra two class. Um and they just had a student from the CLS program at the University of Texas at El Paso. Shout out, um, come by. the classes and they had a little package of loft house cookies and you know like a little walmart bag of some groceries and we're like oh cool free cookies whatever so this girl passes out you know this loft house cookies to everyone at their desk and then she says um you know you know look at look at this little circle um pretend it's like a little petri dish everyone knows what petri dish is and we're like yeah and then she was like okay now uh here's a little cup of milk, and she gives everyone a cup of milk, and she's like, all right, now, now, in the milk, and I completely forgot what this metaphor was. I think it was, you know, oh, you're inoculating stuff on it. It was a better thought-out metaphor than what I remember from when I was 15. But, um, and then we we take the cookie down, it's wet, and, you know, we add sprinkles to it, or we put food dye in it. The food dye changes the milk. I completely forgot this metaphor. Anyway. uh and then we look at the cookie and she says, Oh yeah, you see the sprinkles and we're like, Yeah, and, and it's yellow with like the milk and everything. And she's like, Yeah, well actually it's
0: stiff noise. And then the one's like,
3: What? How is that but this is a cookie? And she's like, No, you see when you added, you know, the the medium to the plate or whatever. Uh it grew and that's the bacteria, so pretend that that's that. And everyone's like, we don't want to pretend this cookie is syphilis. We want to eat this cookie. And then they had these little, you know, trifled pamphlet brochures. And I was like, that's crazy that this was a cookie, but now it's science. Um, fifteen-year-old me's mind was blown. Um, and I, I remember I went home that day and I told my mom I was like, Mom, some lady came by, there were cookies, there was science i like syphilis cookies but then i remember her saying you know um your cousin has a friend who i think does that and i was like no way that's too cool of a thing for anyone that i know like as a family friend to be doing that and she's like yeah, yeah let's let's, go. And let's see what she does and lo and behold my cousin's friend she was a lab manager at you know the the local hospital and she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you heard about it. That's so cool. Come by the lab anytime and volunteer and, you know, just shoot or whatever. And I saw the rows of microscopes and the blood in the blood bank fridges, and I was like, I'm set. This is science heaven. This is cool. i was just a very, very visual learner, and I was very easily impressionable. Um, But I, I think that that kind of speaks to the age group and because after you know I, I shadowed around the lab for a little bit at the time I was just like so sure and everyone was just you know talking up all of the you know pros of how it's a stable career how there will always be a need for the healthcare professions and you know science is always going to be a thing health is always going to be a thing and it just put a lot of um two and twos together that made me realize I was like oh yeah this is this is something I could get behind so like
2: people can do things like syphilis cookies and on <laughs> teenagers yeah, to get them in and,
3: yeah and then have a family friend but you mm-hmm. know not a lot of people are that lucky to have been exposed to that I, I feel like you know 15 is kind of early I feel like a lot of people don't find out until a little bit later
2: yeah like uh here's a clip of Katie actually saying that she basically stumbled across it
0: I think I share a very similar story to a lot of students, which is I had no idea what lab science was mm-hmm. for a very long time, mm-hmm. and really just kind of stumbled into it, but it, yeah. it was very much so the puzzle piece of, um, I was working in a research lab and loved what I was doing, the science I was doing, did microbiology really enjoyed you know the gram staining the the laboratory part yeah but i didn't really have a name for doing that as a career Mm -hmm. um and just happened to really stumble upon it and was like this is this is it like this is what i want to do this is exactly what what i love
2: and then crystal even talks about how she was a pack rat and because she was a pack rat (laughs) she had the flyer
1: uh, it was a happy accident. So I uh, ended up, so I was uh, in school, pre med, thought I was going to go to medical school, mm-hmm. got to my junior year of college and realized, you know what, all this testing is not cut out for me. Okay. Um, and then realized, what do I do at this point? And I'm a little bit of a pack rat. Uh, if any of you have seen my apartment, uh,
0: <laughs> you would
1: absolutely understand As I'm currently in the process of unpacking and having blessed Right. So <laughs> So I was back right in college as well, and uh, had went to a session, so I was in the Microbiology Undergraduates Club, and mm-hmm. we actually had a professor from the local tech uh, program come and speak to us. And okay. She gave out flyers. That was probably the most interesting thing I had been to in my four years at, uh, in college. Love to hear it. Um, and I was like, you know what, this sounds like this might be a great backup plan. I'm going <laughs> to keep this flyer just in case. Sure. So, um, my last week of um, school, I am packing all my stuff up to move back home, and I pull out this flyer to go, you know what? We'll apply. Let's see what happens. Love it. Um, and then it ended up being a whole nother fiasco. I thought I was applying for the Knoxville program in Tennessee. I ended up applying for the Memphis program. Oh my gosh. So, but ended up loving it, and I've been stuck here ever since.
3: <laughs> I've <It's> been stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you say it with a smile on your face, though. Like, oh, here we are.
2: And I, I know I mentioned in the previous episode. I didn't find out what what uh, lab sciences were until I saw an ad on a bus and a postcard in the mail. I had no idea. There's so many people who don't know these things. And yeah. those are ways we can spread the word, right? Like, I think syphilis cookies is a terrible phrase, but also fantastic for recruitment just because it is memorable. Like, no one's going to forget a cookie that they had to dunk in milk, diet, put sprinkles on it, and the sprinkles are magically syphilis. So, like that's going to make an impression of some kind you know
3: yeah
2: again like also check out the marcom handbook right like that's another place with other recruitment ideas and oh, yeah. also the fantastic connect community because you can literally go yes. on there and type ask people for other recruitment ideas or you could even look for what people have posted right yeah. like like i know one thing that i did when i was a student was we had we would sit in our like what we called the pit and um so we would sit there and we'd have like we had like a poster and trifold like the big like poster board stuff to try to get people like oh we're cls come check it check us out right uh i don't know how much like i don't know actually how much that helped any but i know that when we had uh like so north carolina there's the annual science festival which i think is like all the entire month of april Mm -hmm. um or march i don't really remember but it's like the entire month I want to say April, basically schools all across North Carolina will have science fairs and science festivals or like science, like big science festivals, like UNC will shut down a street and just have like tents lined up. And these are all different, like different departments, different clubs, different areas, all out there with science activities and tables. And the CLS program also had something out there. And I remember we did like those little DNA bracelets for elementary school kids where it's like okay if your eyes are brown you get this color bead if your eyes are blue you get this color bead and this is so you got to make like a bracelet based off of your dna we had like some safe slides that kids could look through and look at a microscope Uh um i i think there was like uh we had figured out like some way to put um like a fake auger plate out there with fake cultures on it i think what we did was um we bought some blank we had some like empty auger dishes and then if you actually cut out if you print out a picture of an auger plate like directly from the top right you Mm -hmm. print that out and you stick that piece of paper down in there if you put some nail polish glaze on top like clear polish Mm -hmm. it looks shiny and it kind of looks like a plate from a distance like Like that's that's one of those things you can bring and you don't it doesn't it's not dangerous it's just paper and a plate (laughs) it just looks dangerous Right. So like you that's can do the that. Appeal. Yeah. Yeah, you can even do like um oh, was it like the see-through glass paint? Like that's I saw someone else also has done that. Like there's so many ways to like interact with people and yeah. to show them who we are and oh like come join us. Come come to this really cool profession where you get to see what makes the inner body tick. Like
3: Yeah.
2: I I so this is going to be really random. I remembered when I with, interviewed as a student employee, um, I was asked, what is your favorite bench? At the time, you know, I, I take back my answer now. At the time as a student, I said your analysis. And the guy Interesting. was like, yeah, and he was like, why? <laughs> and, <laughs> which I, I probably should have taken that as a hint as you'll hate the bench version of your analysis versus Ooh. like you like the study of your analysis. But like, I remember thinking and like telling that I liked the idea of your analysis because to like, and it's something that your body wants to get rid of, right? But from that, you're able to tell so much about a person, right? You can tell like, if they've got certain types of crystals, you can know what kind of pH levels you can tell, like sort of their diet from that. Yeah. Um, you yeah. can tell like, if they're fighting a UTI, um, you can tell if there's yeast growing, you can tell a lot of things from a yeah. urine. About their kidney, their bladder, and in some cases, like you know, maybe even further. Like you don't know what you can find in that urine. There's gonna be something in it. And I don't
3: hate that answer. Right? I love like that actually.
2: As a student, it I thought it was fascinating. As a person actually working the urinalysis bench doing like 60 urines a night, I did not like mm-hmm. that anymore. Um, it was great in theory.
3: Right. So it's like it's so funny because I thought you were going in a different direction. I thought that they were like, oh, what's your favorite bench? And you're like, mm, I love a park bench. I thought <laughs> that you were just gonna be like, oh yeah, it's like jargon. It's so true. Like, I don't know if everyone who's listening to the podcast right now, like completely understands like every single jargon that we throw out, but it's like, like a bench is like an area of the lab. And yeah, sometimes we forget like how to put things in like different terms because I don't really know how to describe a bench as I find myself trying to describe a bench.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause um. I think I think if he had asked what's your favorite bench versus subject, I I think that would have definitely changed my answer. Right. Cause mm. like again, the year analysis bench is different than your analysis that you learn in class. Yeah. I feel like right? yeah, but actually that's,
3: practicing it.
2: Right. And that's that's something that you might be able to use as a recruitment tool towards high schoolers. Cause let's be honest, yeah. high schoolers like gross stuff. Um uh, that's that, so true. that's very memorable. If you tell a high schooler that you can look at someone's urine under a microscope and see crystals in their urine, yeah. you know they're gonna be like, Okay, now I'm curious. Like, you know, I do yeah. kind of, like they're terrified, but they're gonna to wanna to see it and that's gonna stick with them, you that know. Sounds about right and that's that's just like more
3: little a advocacy out there it totally i it totally slipped my mind until right now but just really quick um at texas state i'm a proud alumna uh we had this one day where we were just dedicated to going through like the high school oh gosh where was it i think it was new braunfels i think they were the unicorns and that was their mascot i remember that yeah, 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 and we went to just one of the generic, you know, science classrooms with the black bench type, mm. you know, with the sinks, and um, our whole cohort just camped out in this science classroom, and, you know, there were different bunches, so it was like a blood banking one had like the agglutination cards, and so we like finger pricked everyone and had them do their little blood type, Um, there was a parasite bench where we just had, you know, pre slides and like little printouts, um, like, like there are so many different innovative ideas to get high schoolers involved and just to have a fun time with, like, the cohort, too. Like, we were just, like, walking around the high school halls and, like, telling we're college kids and this is a high school. I don't know. that. I remember that part of it being fun, too. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it's something that basically everybody can get behind, that literally advocacy, doing doing our bit little definitely one step at a time yeah
2: but i will say you know we spent a lot of time talking about little a advocacy we are not going to forget about like big a advocacy Mm because there's also lots of opportunities to do big a advocacy um capital a advocacy to show up on capitol hill right and actually of capitol hill and legislation dorian do you know what's upcoming in three weeks the ASCLS Legislative Symposium. Yes. And what is the Legislative Symposium? It is literally a two-day event. Uh, two days? Yeah, two-day event. Two days. In uh, Alexandria, but basically D.C., mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, where the first day you will learn how to talk to and um, basically how to do the Big A advocacy. And the second day, you actually go meet your senators or your senator's aides and do the big A advocacy. And it's not just senators. It's also Congress people as well, right? Yeah. But representatives. it's- mm-hmm. Yeah, representatives, everybody. Um, But you get to do big A advocacy and you get to do it in a way that you're not sort of left on your own, right? I think that's also a big- Like little A advocacy is a lot easier to do because you're just talking about yourself, right? But then if yeah. you- I don't know about most people, but I know about me. Um, if you tell me that suddenly I'm doing big A advocacy where what I say will may or may not influence someone's decisions or like provide more information to better laboratory stuff in you know my my area, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be so nervous. I don't know what I should be saying, I don't mm-hmm. know how I should act. I don't know like should I like how much of an yeah. adult do I have to be in front of like no, how does this yeah. even work? That is what Legislative Day is for, uh, the Legislative um, Symposium. They will prepare you for how to do Big A advocacy. Mm -hmm. And they'll walk you through it. They'll help you get set up. They'll give you, and then you'll get an opportunity to do Big A advocacy. And that's the most important thing is that, you know, if you are scared to do it, this is a great learning opportunity to do it.
3: Yeah, no, exactly what you said. It, It seems so daunting. It seems so huge. The weight of the responsibility and all that but honestly you know in the end this is our community we boost each other up and we present it in a way that it's so attainable and anyone can do it as long as you're passionate about the profession the people who show up always are um and you really just care about what you're talking about and that's basically all that we've been talking about this whole time right
2: yeah like you becoming the face of your lap, or you becoming the face of when people think of laboratory professions who know you, they think of yeah. you. They Honestly. don't think of like that that mysterious, like closed off box that pumps out magic numbers. They actually think of the person <laughs> behind it. And they,
3: you know,
2: yeah. it might, you know, you might become uh, Dorian's family's friend's lab manager, who's <laughs> like, oh, hey, young person, come and join me and I'll show you around, you know? You never know who you might influence into joining and, you know, becoming a medical operator professional, you know, like, yeah, you've, yes. got, you've got your peers, get your community, build that community, build your peers up and hold everybody up. You know, like this is, this is our opportunity. This is our chance to do what we can to, you know, um, basically say our piece, right? Like we can control our narrative as much as we can. This is our chance to control our narrative, to say what we have to say either little a or big a either one you want to do or if you want to be either, like, either
3: way it's a sleigh
2: yeah <laughs> i was gonna say you could you could become like uh angela and you know take i think she's like a in between a little a and a big a i don't really know how to quite describe it she's like, like
3: libre font a yes
2: yes she's 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 amazing she's amazing a angela a <laughs> sorry that was a tangent um that was kind of embarrassing. Sorry, Angela. Um, basically, we love your article, and everyone should go read her article. Uh, Healthcare yeah. severe shortages on qualified medical library professionals. Uh, yeah, maybe send that to your CFOs and see what happens, Ooh. or CEOs and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: because you never know. Just just read it on the street corner. Just yeah. go and <laughs> and look up some statistics and and be proud of them and 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 do something about it.
2: Yeah so actually so i'm unfortunately not going to legislative day but i think dorian you said you're going i'll be there so if you have listened to the podcast and would like to talk to dorian in person oh my
3: god definitely reach out to her
2: at ledge day if you're going as well you know
3: but yeah Um, and and i and if you've been following along with the series you can catch me on linkedin i have a facebook um just dorian redding that's me um, and then you can reach out to me at uh warbler works that's pretty much
2: i don't really check my own personal stuff anymore uh you can check me at warbler works studio on instagram which is warbler.works or uh i'm also on linkedin as sophia chandrasakar um but you it, i feel like warbler works is an easier thing to spell than my last name so you know there's also that but thank you so much for tuning in to, to our part two episode, our two-parter. Yeah. Um, and again, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our first episode, definitely check that yes. out. Uh, we will see you guys next month and next month will be story time. What kind of story Stories. time? Oh, You'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what we might have in store. <laughs> Amazing. Because we're awesome like that. But yeah, so thank you so much and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.